Good morning, everyone. Let's begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Today I'm going to talk about three things. I, I, actually, three things. First is to introduce you a little bit about the homily, about, the, about this Sunday, and talk about the prophecies uh, that, that uh, talk about the ascensions, uh, and then uh, give you a little bit about the ascension and its influence on the church today or in the past. So, as we said today, we celebrate the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ into heaven. The actual day of the ascension was last Thursday, but many of the dioceses in the United States, including ours, moved the celebration to this Sunday for convenience so that more people would be able to attend such a solemn and illuminating day or event in the life of the church. The solemnity of the ascension celebrates many things, some of which I will cover today. Among them is the Great Commissions, to go and teach or preach the gospel to all nations. Yes, to all nations, to all people. This is why it's so crucial for us that we heed the call of St. John Paul II to go and embrace the path of evangelization, a path that once initiated can start a chain reaction that is hard to stop. Like I said, before we get into why Jesus ascended into heaven, its prophecies and, its, and the significance of it all, let me, give some, let me give you some background to prepare yourself for this momentous event in the history of the church. Just before Jesus arrest, was arrested, John, the beloved apostles, told us that Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and spoke these beautiful words to his Father, saying, Father, the hour had come. Give glory to your Son, so that your Son may glorify you. The apostles that you have given me are yours now, belong to you. They kept your words, and now they worship you. I have been glorified in them, but I will be with them no longer, because I am coming to you, to be with you, to be in your arms. Those how beautiful these words are, coming from Jesus Christ, addressing his Father in heaven. They are the word that came from an aching heart of a son longing to be with his father or any aching heart to be with his loved one. In today's gospel from Matthew, after Jesus had accomplished everything he needed to do and letting the father know that he is coming back to him, he gathered the eleven at the Mount of Olives. What a beautiful scene from there and looking down for the farewell speech saying to them with all the power in my hand given to me by my father I tell you therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost and then teach them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always until the end of age. There's one 
thing that I want you to listen to carefully, one word that Jesus said, teach them to observe. He is telling his apostle to go and teach all nations to observe, not to change. He's talking to the apostles. So Jesus now is talking to our apostles in our age to go and observe the thing that he taught them, not to change them according to our culture. We're supposed to hold in the thing that Jesus taught us, and he will be with them always. And on this feast, St. Luke gives us his eyewitness account of the ascension and the acts of the apostles, saying, as Jesus was telling the eleven that they will be a witness, they will be his witness in Jerusalem and to the end of the earth, Jesus was lifted up and a cloud took him from their sight. Poof, he's up. Luke's account was very real, very typical, very human. And they were shocked, and we will be too. I said this earlier. You know, I'm standing before you, and I'm talking to you. And imagine if I'm just, poof, I'm gone, right? You will be shocked too, wouldn't you? Well, the same thing happened to them. They, sh they, they were shocked. And while they were standing there, this is a good thing, while they were standing there looking at the sky, two men on white garments stood beside them and said, men of Galilee. He talked to them and said, men of Galilee, the eleven, are the only one left. The other one that we know of, Judas, he is dead, but he is not from Galilee. He is the only one that was from Judah, from the south. The eleven were all from the north, from Galilee. So he's talking to this eleven men who are left. Men of Galilee, why are you standing here looking at the sky? Nobody is here. Jesus is gone to heaven, and he will come back in the same way on the cloud. So do not waste any more time looking at an empty space. You have work to do. Therefore, go and do it. Go and do it, helping in the redemptive work of Christ for the salvation of a human race. You know, you have a role to play. I have a role to play in the redemptive work of Christ. Can you imagine? We little people have a work to do. We, have, we are very powerful in the redemptive work of Christ. So we have a lot of work to do. And in the second reading of today, St. Paul emphasizes the power and glory of Christ and his ascension so beautifully to the Ephesians, saying to them, now that Jesus is raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, he sits at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. He is far above the, every authority, every power, and every principality. All things are beneath his feet, and he is the head of the church, and the church is you and me. So therefore, we must follow him. If we are his body and he is the head, so no matter where the head goes, we have to follow the head because we are the body. The great theologian St. Thomas Aquinas said of the ascension that it is a part of what Christ did to effect salvation. Thomas also quoted, quotes St. Paul saying that Jesus ascended to open the doors of heaven for the captives. And the captives are you and me. And Paul believed that great 
reflecting on the ascension, saying, our destiny, your destiny, my destiny, our human nature is to ascend to heaven and to be enthroned with Christ. Can you imagine that? We are supposed to be enthroned with Christ. Without his ascension, mankind would have been bound to earth, would be stuck in the mud. But Christ's ascension raised our dignity above all creation, even above the status of the archangels. This is very powerful. With this little introduction, let's see what kind of prophecies in the Old Testament are fulfilled with the ascensions. The ascension fulfills the prophecy of Daniel's concerning the Son of Man. And behold, in my vision, Daniel said, I saw in the clouds of heaven one like the Son of Man. And he came to God, the Father, the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to the Son of Man was given glory and dominion over all the creations and all kingdom. And the kingdom that is building, that Jesus is building, will never end. And of course, the Son of Man in Daniel's dream is Jesus Christ, who fulfilled that prophecy. And how about King David's prophecy? A thousand years before Christ, one thousand years before Christ, he prophesies in Psalm 68, saying, Sing to God, sing in praise of his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. Rejoice before him. His name is the Lord. Of course, he is referring to Christ. Also, on the day of the ascension, Jesus promised the apostles that the Holy Spirit would be sent to them to strengthen them, to guide them in their missionary work, and to intercede for them in heaven as they do the great work they did. And indeed, ten days later, after the ascensions, here he is, the Holy Spirit. Bingo right there, descending on the apostles and transforming them. They became fearless men, even unto death. These are the same men who had abandoned Jesus during his passion and went into hiding out of fear. Now filled with the Holy Spirit, as they, as they were promised, the apostles received the word to testify to everyone the good news of Jesus' victory over sin and death with a fear, fearless commitment to him. And here are some additional attributes of the ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus present in all the sacraments we receive. Think about transubstantiation. When Father Mark stands at the altar every Mass, he invokes the Holy Spirit to come and transforms the bread and wine into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is nothing more powerful than that. The Holy Spirit also guides the church in her teaching and in the preservation of the deposit of faith 
The Holy Spirit will not allow the doubters to alter the apostolic teaching and tradition of the last 2,000 years because he is the guardian of the faith. The Holy Spirit removed the doubts of the apostles when they worshipped Jesus and doubted as they awaited his ascension. He will also remove any doubt that we have in our commitment to Jesus. In reality, this was an unusual response by the apostles. They worshipped and they doubted. It's very hard to reconcile the two. But the response is very descriptive of many of us. You see, doubt does not mean skepticism about who Jesus is. Rather, doubt refers to the hesitation the disciples experienced when required to make an irreversible commitment to Jesus at the exclusion of other options. I'm sure we would have done the same thing. But with all their doubts, with all their imperfection, Jesus gave them his mission to do. Right? He gave them the mission to do it, even though they're not perfect. Because Jesus knew that the Holy Spirit will guide them through the raging waters. The ascension infused us with the divine life as well through the sending of the Holy Spirit, just like God in the book of the Genesis infused or breathed divine life into Adam. At baptism, the Holy Spirit transforms us from being Gentiles into being children of God, sharing with him the inheritance of heaven, the great gift of eternal life. The ascension also is about hope. Beautiful word, about hope. John the evangelist tells us that Jesus went to heaven to prepare a home for you and for me. So that one day we can wear a crown made of gold. But first, we have to go and make disciples of all nations. We have to go and make disciples. We have to do our work. We can't just sit here and do nothing. We have to introduce them to the gospel. Yes, the resurrection of Christ from the dead is the most powerful event in human history that the world has ever seen. There's no doubt about that. The birth of the church, the birth of our faith. At the same time, the Feast of the Ascension ranks with Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost in its observance among Christians. It is a very crucial event. It is a very crucial feast for us. And finally, the feast has been celebrated 40 days after Easter since the 4th century. Prior to that, it was commemorated as a part of the descent of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Yes, the ascension is the glorification and exaltation of Jesus, our Lord. But also, It's about the relationship between Christ and his Father. It's about the relationship between Christ and us, his followers. And also, it was about the relationship between us and God the Father. 
rather than just a simple physical relocation of Jesus from earth to heaven or from heaven to earth. It's more about relationships. The ascension followed by the descent of the Holy Spirit turned fearful men into lions for the faith who were afraid of nothing and as a result changed humanity from the depth of paganism, from the depth of paganism to enlightened societies who follow their God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.